here. I bring it back. Right. Well, it's about that time. We uh, we're monopolizing the surgery market uh, in Greater Columbus here at the church. Uh, last week, last Friday, uh, Christy had heart cat, and uh, they thought they were going to do stents or maybe even a bypass. And uh, we went there to pray with them, and this this was the prayer that the Lord led me to pray that when the procedure's all done, that the doctor will say, why in the world did we do this? You know, that's exactly what he said. Mike said he came out and said, why did we do this for? Because there's other veins that have been developed. And so she's doing great. And then uh, Monday, Monday morning, Mike had knee replacement surgery. And... Uh, uh, they, they get him in and out in a hurry anymore. Uh, they said that until he could walk up like three steps, the number of steps that you have to get into your house, he couldn't be released. He was home by three o'clock. Awesome. <laughs> so you want to pray for Mike, but also pray for Christy. Uh, yes. I gave I gave Mike a giant bell to ring to. Call Christy anytime you needed something. And she left it here in the office. I, I don't understand that. But, uh, and then uh, I left there and went around the outer belt up to uh, Dublin Methodist Hospital. Uh, that's where uh, Stephanie Ordonia. Uh, was going to induce labor, and Christopher, any of you see the picture on yes. online? Yeah. Uh, young Christopher, seven pounds, something or other, seven one, I think, and uh, uh, doing well. And then this morning, uh, Sierra Keast uh, has a major surgery ongoing right now as we speak. Uh, they're going to remove a lot of the large intestine, uh, Crohn's disease, and uh, uh, so we're, we went there to pray with them this morning. We're doing meals. You say, what about the other people? They didn't request meals. Uh, but uh, the uh, keys, it's uh, Chuck and five kids and a grand grandkid uh, that he's caring for right now. So, uh, his idea of a meal plan is which lane at McDonald's do we <laughs> So we want to give them, and many of you have already signed up, but she's going to be down for a while, but we're going to try in the first couple weeks try to cover that for her and the family. So if you want to provide a meal or you want to fund a meal, uh, you know, we can try and make it happen to get it there or to transport it, whatever. See Linda after the service today, and she could hook you up. Some of you have already signed up, Linda and I, and Carissa, we've all signed up, but, uh, and, and Marcia's signed up, so if you could help us out with that, the Keast family, and uh, you say, well, who are the Keast? Well, if you sit on the right side, down front, 
He's the tall guy you can't see over, okay? And carrying a baby that's his grandchild, and, and Sierra's with him, uh, and uh, all the five kids, and, you know, so, so want to be a blessing to them. So after service this morning, you can go up and see Linda or call her. And then after Bible study this morning, there's an opportunity uh, to go over to the fireside room and make lunches for the homeless ministry. Uh, Bill, anything you want to share? Uh, if you're coming over, I'll meet you there. And thank you for your help. Yeah. He's going to meet you on the other side. <laughs> If you've not been to the fireside room, it's on the far side. So, so uh, those are just a couple of announcements. So we're ready to get started here with our study in the Proverbs. As soon as I get rid of this. Okay. Let me get down here. Get over here. Get there. Whoa! Here we are. All right. Uh-oh. Where is it? My coffee cup somewhere. It's a, it's a, it's a silver coffee cup. Can somebody track it down for me? Help, help the old man. Help the old man. Oh, I want to thank you all for praying. My eye is back about 90%. because Linda said, I won't drive downtown to the places you're going. You know, I, was, I, I was 5 a.m. this morning on the east side by Leonard Avenue. So, uh, praying a lot, but I was able to see and get there and back and all this traveling around. So, thank you very much for praying and thank the Lord for hearing. Amen? Well, let's go on. Now, do you have a, your, your outline? It's not much of an outline. We only got through one spot on it thus far. You have your outline? How many got your outline? If you don't have an outline, there's some out in the hallway on the little lectern out there. And point one is uh, uh, the introduction to the Proverbs. And we've spent quite a few weeks on that because we looked at the very first proverb, 1-7, is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It starts everything. So the last several weeks, we've been looking at all of the fear of the Lord Proverbs. Uh, and there were 14 in total. So now we are ready for... You say, well, I've missed a couple weeks. Well, we're only at point two. <laughs> Come on now. So turn, if you would, please, to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Proverbs 1, verse 8. Verse 8. Verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol or the grave. 
and, and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us, they'll say. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. We're not going to read all the way to uh, the whole segment of this, first, this second segment of our outline, because in Proverbs, the second segment is instructions to the youth. You say, well, that leaves us out. You know, it's not a way. Well, you're, it's all comparative, isn't it? How many of you know somebody that's older than you? You. <laughs> Me. Yeah. And we all know our. You know. <laughs> no. no. The interesting thing about it is if you look at the outline, you'll find that youth is just someone younger than the person who's sharing. Because it can be a teenager, a youth, it can be a child, it can even be uh, newlyweds, because some of the instructions are about that. How many of you realize that when your kids grow up and they leave the house, they're still your kids? Yeah. Amen? Amen? And uh, you still need to share things with them. And uh, that's what this is all about. Proverbs that are targeted towards the youth or children or those that are uh, that you care for, youth and children, young adults, young marrieds, college career age, whatever, uh, giving them insights. Now the primary question one might have, well how are they going to receive these bits of wisdom? Because how many of you realize that uh, reading is a lost art among many, right? You know, have you ever known your kids to just, well, I think I'll just read about four or five chapters today, I, you know, out of the Bible. No, it's, it's a process of getting them into doing that. The, these are designed to be taught and shared and invested by someone older, you're always, I asked you if you knew somebody was older than you. How many of you knew somebody that's younger than you? Okay. Well, then those are the ones we're to share with uh, to have that. Because you see, the Bible, any part of the Bible, was not readily available to the people that needed it. Right. Really. Uh, how many Bibles did people have in, in their homes uh, back in those days? Four, five, six. Zero. Oh, really? Zero. 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 They were copied and kept securely at the temple or later on in, at the synagogues. But nobody, unless you were extremely wealthy, had a copy of the manuscripts of the Bible. You had to go to the house of the Lord and they would gather together in what's called a minyan, a group of ten, 
and study the scriptures together every day and to pray. And so it was, if you're going to teach the children, if the children and the youth and young marriage are going to learn these uh, bits of wisdom that have a bite to them, a smack to them, they have, first of all need to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, but pastor, my my kids, my grandkids, they don't, they say it's boring. What would be a good answer uh, to tell them? Well, how many of you ever had your kids say school's boring? Anybody ever? <laughs> anybody ever had that? School's boring. Yes. How about if you had chores that they had to do? How many of you didn't like to take out the trash? Yeah. Didn't like to do, clean your room? You know. Oh, that's boring. That's boring. But you make them do it because it's right. That's right. You make them do it because it's right. It's not fun to make them do it, but it's right. And so, the very first thing about these Proverbs, if the youth and the children and the young marrieds are going to learn them, they have to be shared by someone older than them, or, and also, be in the house of the Lord, where they can be not only studied, but they can witness it being lived out. People are watching your life. People are watching your priorities. People are watching what you say, and if what you say and what you do are not the same, what do they call you? A hypocrite, right? And so, how are the youth and the children that need these insights of wisdom about the fear of the Lord and the other things we're going to talk about if we don't expose them to it through being in the house of the Lord or teaching them themselves, uh, sharing things with them, and living it out in front of them, how else are they going to hear it? Uh, are, is this going to be a subject at uh, public school? No. Are they going to learn about the fear of the Lord in public school? No. Uh, are they going to learn about all of these precepts and godly principles? No. Now back in the day, how many remember back in the day when they had prayer in school? Yeah. Started off the day with Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Yeah. Prayer over the loudspeaker, the Lord's Prayer. No. No? You didn't have that? Well, I'm older than you. Okay. Well, went to different schools. Went to different schools, but uh, no, at Mifflin, Mifflin School System, East Linden Elementary, I remember standing up for the Pledge of Allegiance, which was followed by the Lord's Prayer that we all said. And a couple of my, my, uh, my buddies from the neighborhood were Catholics, and they didn't like the fact that we prayed the Protestant version of the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> they didn't like that at all. And uh, so, but that's not neither here nor there. But if these principles, these proverbs are going to be instructed 
to children, youth, young adults, young marrieds. It's on our, our shoulders to carry it, to have them in the place where it's taught and to uh, share principles and to live it out in front of them without contradiction. Because if we say one thing and we live another, they're not going to buy it. That's right. They're just not going to buy it. And, and you wouldn't either. So, so, since the Bible was not readily available until much, much later, uh, back in the 1800s, it was still illegal in Italy for anyone to own a Bible. You had to get all of your instruction through the church, the Catholic Church. It was illegal to own a Bible until the 1800s. And uh, there's other, other situations where People just did not have access until the Gutenberg Bible was printed and mass-produced. The common, ordinary, everyday person did not have access to a Bible. You had to go to the house of the Lord to have it read. Back in Bible times, in the times of Jesus, they would go to the synagogue, a common gathering place, to have the scriptures read because no one could afford to have a personal copy of their own. Can you tell me who it was in the Bible, in the New Testament, who had a personal copy of the scrolls of Isaiah? The eunuch and the I knew you'd know that. <laughs> I want to introduce you to the person that's going to be teaching uh, the class uh, April 10th, Wednesday, April 10th, in the morning class. Grace is going to be teaching that week. Someone gifted Linda and I, with a trip to Myrtle awesome. Beach. Yeah. A trip for two <laughs> in a one-bedroom condo for us. And we were looking back, and we've never really been away by ourselves since our honeymoon, pretty much. We're always either on ministry or going with uh, 16 kids on a missions trip or, or whatever, going to a conference, whatever. So it was a blessed gift for us, and we're, we're going to be doing that. That's so awesome. Grace is going to be teaching in the morning. But she knew the answer to the question. How many of you knew, be honest now, how many of you knew the answer to the question? You, you were thinking about it. You thought you knew, but you weren't sure yet, right? Well, you remember the story how that Philip was a part of the great move of God in Samaria. And when Peter and John went up to Samaria so that people could receive, they, they had heard about the Lord and received the Lord as Savior, but they weren't filled with the Spirit yet. They'd not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So Peter and John went up there, and when they went up there, then God called Philip away from this massive revival going on and sent him out. Go to Gaza. Heard that in the news, right? Go to Gaza. There ain't nothing in Gaza. There wasn't back then, and there still ain't today. But, never mind. but, but uh, so he goes out, and he's just walking. It's a desert area by the Mediterranean Sea. And he looks off in the distance, and the Holy Spirit says, go join yourself to that guy right over there. 
And there's a fellow, a ranking official from the court <coughs> of the, the queen of, of Ethiopia, and he is sitting in his chariot. He has just been to Jerusalem. He has a copy of the scrolls of Isaiah. It's the only person we know of had a copy at that time. Wow. I mean, a king's, he was in charge of the, the treasury of the country. He had some bucks behind him. And he was on his way back to Ethiopia. But the cool thing is, he came to Jerusalem as a Jewish convert. And he went back as a convert to Jesus Christ. Because, because Philip went up and... Uh, the Ethiopian eunuch looks up and he says, uh, is this, is he speaking about himself? He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Is he talking about himself or somebody else? And, and Philip says, funny you should ask. The one he's talking about sent me here. To, and he began through the prophecies of Isaiah about the Messiah to tell him about Jesus and before he got finished with Isaiah 53, and there's other chapters after that, before he got through finished with Isaiah 53, the, the Ethiopian says, hey, I want to be baptized in the name of this Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And they went right out into the Mediterranean Sea and he baptized them, he baptized him into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then, boom, what happened to Philip? He was gone. He was transported by the power of the Holy Ghost 50 miles up the road. And he was seen walking in the city there. Well, my goodness gracious. Oh, it's a great story. Great story. But it shows the scarcity of the word. You, you didn't have, how many of you have got 10, 15 Bibles yeah. in your house? I got 10 or 15 Bibles in this room. Look around. They're all over the place. <clears throat> but back in the day, you had to go to the house of the Lord or, as the scripture said, the, the parents were to tell them and inscribe them into the hearts and lives of their children and grandchildren. And that's a, that's a, a biblical pattern. A biblical pattern. Because they're not going to just, a little, a little kid's not going to say, you know what I think I'll do? I think I'll pick up the book of Proverbs and read it through. There's probably something in there good for me. No, no. You know what they're going to pick up? They're going to pick up the book of Samuel and they're going to study about Samson. They're going to study about uh, King David and Goliath. And they're going to read the, the, the heroic stories of the Bible and the crossing of the Red Sea and Exodus and all those. But Sitting down for the Proverbs is probably not high. It's not even on their list. It will not make their list. And so we need to be those who instruct. That's why I praise God so much for those who share in teaching the Word of God in word and in illustration and in lifestyle to our youngest kids, to our children, to our youth, to our young Marys, to live it out in front and give them godly instruction this way. It's important. It's on well, say it with me. It's on my shoulders. Well, I, I don't think I can. Well, then who's going to pick up the slack for you? 
We need to be pouring this into the next generation. Well, I don't have any children. Oh, you got spiritual kids. You got kids in the house of the Lord, people that you can pass along. We've shared some of the stories of trying to pass along these biblical principles and truths that, uh, you know, they weren't our kids, but at one point, Lynn and I had four nieces and nephews living with us. They'd never been in church a day in their lives. And then they were thrust into a pastor's home. Oh, uh, where I went to school, they uh, they had missionary. Uh, we call them missionary ladies, <laughs> uh -huh. kids. Uh, way way back in the grade one and all the way up. Yeah. They come at least once a month, and uh, everybody yeah. would get together, and the whole school got in one spot and listened and. They told stories on, on um, what do you call that? <laughs> flannelgraphs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Use the flannelgraph stories. Yeah. If, you, if you would like to do some study on your own, go online and look up the simple song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Tells Me So. And look at the story behind the song. Two ladies had a home Bible study, and basic they are buried at the cemetery at West Point. Because they got young cadets in and taught them about Jesus. They weren't listening, they weren't going to church, but they were going to that Bible study with these two little old, old maiden ladies. And uh you know, you can have an outreach. Church I grew up in, the teenage boys, their teacher, it seemed like she was 100 years old then, but she couldn't have been, I don't think, but Cleo Sims, and they, they were there thick and thin. She had an old gravelly voice, but those, those teenage boys just sat and listened to every word that Cleo shared with them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many of them went into the ministry wow. and are serving the Lord today. Pouring an investment, whether it's how many of you serve in the nursery, you, you share in the in the nursery ministries. Many of you here do. Uh, you say, well, you know, those little ones can't learn. They they know love when they see it. They know love when they see it. You pray over them and you you sing songs to them and you uh, teach them some some basic lessons about Jesus. And, you know, it's an, it's an important ministry. Sometimes it's difficult to find people that want to teach the children. But let me tell you, what did Jesus say about little children? Remember? This is what the kingdom's all about right here. And if we're too big and we're too stuffy and to... to teach the little kids, shame on us. How are they going to learn these, these proverbs of life unless somebody shares with them? They're, they're never going to make a movie about the book of Proverbs. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's not going to happen. There's not going to be an action video famous proverbs of the Bible. No, not going to happen. You've got to live it out. 
got to share with them principles and precepts. And so, since the Bible was not ready, readily available, Solomon is saying, you need to pour this into the kids. You need to share these truths with them. Make sure they're regular, regularly where the word is read and studied. And say, well, I don't think they're getting anything out of it. If you've ever taught a children's class, you know the feeling. Amen? <laughs> you know, some, some Sundays I come out of my Sunday school class and I say, shoot me now. <laughs> Just shoot me now. And then you'll have a glimmer of hope when they actually remembered something that you taught them. Or you overhear them saying something about it. I, I want to warn the adult Sunday school class this Sunday. This Sunday, my class, which is all little kids, wide range of ages. Uh, last week we were we were doing David and Goliath, and I had my David sling, and everybody was a Goliath up on top of a chair, and they were getting points for nailing Goliath with the foam balls. But uh, this week, I haven't talked to Quentin yet. I need to brace him for this for the adult class. You're supposed to ignore the fact that my whole class is going to sneak down. <laughs> sneak down quietly and find a bottle of water that I will hide in the fireside room. Because we're studying about the time when David's men of valor went behind enemy lines got a cup of cold water from the pool, the, the stream fountain at Bethlehem and brought it back. We're going to be talking about going behind enemy lines mm -hmm. for a victory. So, uh, they're going to how be... Are, how old are these children? Uh, well, let's see. The oldest is 11 okay. and the youngest is 6. Okay. <laughs> and uh, full of energy. So we had, to keep, we had to keep things going. We had to keep things going. But I'm finding out that they're remembering some of the lessons. Not all of them, but some of them. You know, David and Goliath, they love that kind of stuff. You know, and, you know. But, but the thing is, they're going to be sneaking down behind enemy lines. And so the adult Sunday school class, act like they are quiet and you can't see them. Okay? Okay. Just... Don't pay any attention at all. And they'll come back up. We did it. They didn't see us. And they didn't hear us at all. We were so quiet. <laughs> but we're trying to teach them a spiritual truth that they'll remember. It's important. Some days you just want to shoot yourself and go out and talk to yourself because you don't think you've accomplished anything. And then you'll hear something to encourage you. But even if you don't hear anything encouraging, you planted seed. Yes. You planted seed. So we need to have our kids in where the word is going <laughs> out. Where you say, well, how many have you got in your class? Well, on a bad day, I'll have two. On a good day, I'll have nine. But I could have 15 every week. Some people don't see the value of getting up for Sunday school. Encourage people. Encourage people. 
and be there for the study of God's Word. There, no, there used to be no personal copies of God's Word. You just had to go to the temple, and every day the, at the temple in the outer courts in Solomon's porch, the scriptures were read every single day. They would bring a copy from the temple out and read it and pray over it. We need to be in the Lord's house. I told you before, and we'll be talking about mom's rules here in a little bit, uh, mom's law. Uh, there was no options in my house. We didn't get options. Yep. It, was not a, it was not a discussion in the Keene household. We had, as, uh, as Terry says, Terry Stewart says, I was voluntold. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you an illustration of it. B.C. and B.G. Okay. B before Christ, in the old olden days, and B.G. before Google. <laughs> How many of you are old enough to remember when you could not just get reference books, encyclopedias and things, unless you had a copy at home? If you went to the library, could you check them out? No. No. They were reserved books, a whole section, and you couldn't take them out. And they didn't have photocopiers in those days. Little guy over there with a chisel and stone, <laughs> no, no, no photocopies. You had to take notes and write it down to get it out. And you had to keep references because you had to put those on the bottom of your reports and everything of where you got that information. And, and they had those file cards. Remember those? Yeah. File cards. And that was our Google. That was our Google search. You know, you had to go through there, find the books, and then find them on the stacks and write down the stuff because reserved books could not be taken out. That's kind of the way it was for the Bible, the Old and New Testament, back in the Bible times. They didn't have a personal copy. They had to go and study it at the temple or the synagogue or those who had studied it before would share it. When they got to, when they were in captivity in, in Babylon, they would gather together and recite the scrolls that they remembered. Well, let, let, let's do that. Me. Give me some Bible verses that you remember right now. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. This is holy. Some others. Thy word out of here in my heart that I might not sin again. You got two songs so far. Any place else? <laughs> the Lord is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my feet. Psalm one nineteen, another verse. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Oh, we got to back to First John. Okay. <laughs> Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on now, just what if you had to leave here today, and the only scripture that you could share with someone are the ones you know. What kind of trouble would we be in? You say, well, the Lord will help me. Yeah, but you got to put it in there to get it out of there. So, so people would go and they would hear the reading of the word and then they would go home and they would meditate upon the word that they had heard and be able to share it with someone else. So it's kind of like the old days of reserved books. In the Bible times, nobody had a copy of the Word of God, but they were 
to have that word inscribed, thy word have I hid in my heart. They couldn't have it in a book. They had it in their hearts. Okay. Older to younger instruction. If you know somebody, and everybody did, know somebody younger than you are, uh, they're, a, they're a prime candidate for you to share some of the things. You say, well, they, they won't listen to me. Well, they'll watch you. They'll see your priorities. They'll see if you walk up to them and say, I was just praying for you this week. You know, that's going to touch somebody. And we're going to see about that compassion that's brought out in these. And finding ways to instruct through, through word, through deed, through encouragement, through uh, reinforcement. When you see somebody that's gone up to the altar, go with them. Pray with them. Encourage them. Let them know that that's a good thing to do. The old school apprenticeships. What was an apprenticeship? Any of you go through an apprenticeship to learn something? Okay. Anybody ever known somebody who apprenticed at something to learn it? Electrician. Electrician. Terry was an apprentice, and, and uh, Nick was an apprentice uh, in, in electrical and in plumbing. And what they would do, they would go along with someone who was experienced in the craft. And they would learn the craft by watching them, that they would perform the craft for a period of time until they could teach it to somebody else and pass the quiz. Old school apprenticeships is a good model for passing things along. If, uh, I'm not trying to mess with anybody here, but, but think about it. If what you have passed on to others is all they had to know about the Bible, what kind of shape are we in? We need to be passing along in word, deed, actions, priorities, whatever. Teach and live as examples. Passing along wisdom with a bite to others. Not just saying nice things. Not just giving somebody a fortune cookie. You know those fortune cookies? We, had, we ate Chinese uh, Sunday. And uh, fortune cookie. And, and it, it was it's just very nice little statements. You will have wonderful things happen to you. Well, you know, life is not like a fortune cookie. Have you noticed? Yes. How many of you had some not-so-nice things happen to you this past week? You didn't get that fortune cookie, did you? Uh, sometimes the Proverbs have a bite to them. We talked about that before. It's not just nice sayings. But do this, because if you don't do this, this will happen. You know, kind of a give slap. Uh, passing along wisdom with a bite to others. So now let's look at our first proverb from the second part. The first part was verses 1 through 7. Verse 7 was the first of the proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And, and then we looked at all the fear of the Lord. Now we're going to get some instructions to the youth, the children, the young marrieds, the young families. And uh, let's, let's look there at... Verse 8 and 9. My son, hear the instruction of your father, 
And do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. And uh, the word there, we talked about it in our introduction of Proverbs. Mosar, it means, it's kind of like a sermon with a slap. It means instruction, but it's, it can also mean reproof, correction, or a smack. Yes. Uh, chastisement. Uh, remember the old stories, uh, none of you were around for this. None, you, none of you were around for this. This is way back. This is way back before my time. Uh, in churches, uh, they would have a stick, and one of the deacons of the church, this was kind of high church, Episcopal and Methodist or whatever, they would have a large stick that on the one end had a feather. Have you heard this before? Yeah. On one tip they had a, a feather. This was back in Revolutionary War times. Uh, those that 1700s. And on the other they had just a knot of wood. And one of the deacons of the church would be at the back of the meeting watching the church service. And people that fell asleep <laughs> they wouldn't say anything they would just walk back pretend like Sally's asleep go ahead and knock off her and take the feather in tickle the ear or the nose until they woke up and just walk back to the back of the room now if there were some rowdy kids I'm not going to walk all the way back to Tom. I, I, they have rowdy kids. They would give them a bonk on the back of the head with that knot on the other end of the bolt. And knock some sense into them. And uh, so it, everybody wanted to be the deacon. Everybody wanted to be the deacon. Because you got to do fun stuff. You know, if you were bored out of your door uh, listening to the preacher... And some of you could nod with that. But you could tickle people that were falling asleep, and you'd have your work cut out for you here on a Sunday morning, let me tell you. I'm up front, and I'm with, you know, I've got all kinds of things going on. And, uh, and uh, so they'll be tickling. We have several deacons, full-time employed, you know. And then with the kids messing around and passing their phone back, boom, right on the back of the head. You'd be full-time on that stuff. So, so this is kind of the meaning of this word musar, musar, that it's, it can be a, a correction, a reproof, kind of a smack or a, you know, something, a wisdom with a bite to it, something to wake, wake you up, and it says that it, it's a bond or a chastening, chastisement, a correction, discipline, or rebuke. I call it a sermon with a slap, you know. So, a reproof, warning, chastisement. And it says there, My son, hear the instruction, Musar, of your father. 
father gives you a warning. How many of you had a father that you better heed his warning? He gave you one. He told you don't do that. That was instruction. First time. What happened the second time? <coughs> He'd make his point. And they draw a difference between the father and the mother here. Now the father, he he's doing the the heavy lifting with the with the Musar a, a smack or a reproof a rebuke or a or a reproof or you know something like that. Now what's the mother doing? Does it say? Do not forsake what? The law of your mother. The word there is Torah. You ever heard the word Torah before? What's Torah? First five books of the Bible. The Old Testament, really. The first five is the Pentateuch. Uh, the, the Torah is the law. Uh, from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and other places, the law of God, and then the, it's also referred to as the law and the prophets. But the first five books primarily is considered Torah law. And it's basically the, the underpinning of our faith, the way that things work with God, God's, God's ways. And so the, the Father is giving instructions and reproof Reproof. The mother has some rules. Some boundaries. How many of you had a mom that had some house rules for you? What were some of the rules around your house that mom... Dad didn't enforce, but mom did. What, what, yeah. Keep your room clean. Keep your room clean. Yeah. And if you didn't, she'd probably refer you to your father later for the rebuke, <laughs> reproof, and the chastisement. Yeah, wait till your dad gets home. Yeah, wait till your father gets home. Wait till your father hears about this one, Kenny. <laughs> my mother didn't wait. Yeah. <laughs> mom, she was, my mom didn't wait. She did father and mother detail there. <laughs> what are some other house rules that mom may have had? Yeah. Time you had to be home. What? what Time you had to be home. Yeah. And then dad would enforce it, you know. And you had to face dad. You didn't face mom when you came home late. No, mom went to bed. Dad was up. Oh. Fortunately, I didn't experience that. But my older brothers did, but I, I never experienced that. But uh, uh, other house rules. We'll talk about some more later. But it, it, real quick, mom's rules. Yeah, mom's Torah. Whoever uh, washed the dishes that day, got to see what they wanted to see on TV. Really? Yes, so that's how... Ooh, that's a that. feather at the end so, of the stage. So good. that was, you know, one day you washed, the next day my brother washed, you know, and so that that took care of the squabble for the TV. Yeah. That's good. Cool. Some good Torah. <laughs> Some good Torah law. And uh, so Solomon is saying, son, Listen to what your father has to say. He's going to bring you challenging reproof. And, and listen to the rules, the house rules, the Torah rules of your mom. Because what's going to happen, good things are going to happen as a result of that. Uh, it says, for they will be honoring both your father and your mother. For they will be a graceful ornament 
or an ornament of grace on your head and chains about your neck. Now, some people say, oh, that doesn't sound good. We'll talk about that in a moment. An ornament of grace. What in the world would an ornament of grace be? But a halo. <laughs> really? That's, you're right. It's a, a laurel wreath or a, uh, you know, a signature crown, if you will, or a uh, something that sets you out in a crowd. That you're the favored student. Uh, they would have, after races and things, they would receive a, a laurel wreath in the Roman days. Before that, they would give an olive branch or they would give some token that would let you know that you were favored. And what it's suggesting here, if you heed the rebuke, the re reproof, the correction, instructions of your father, and you go by the Torah house rules of your mother, it's going to set you out in the crowd. You're going to be a step ahead of everybody else. It's going to be grace on you if you listen to their instruction. And the it's talking about godly instruction here. There are many who can't relate to this because their parents were not followers of the Lord. But it's talking here, Solomon is talking to his kids and those beyond the kids of the kingdom and letting them know that, you know, first of all, the fear of the Lord is where it's at. And everything else springs off of that. So the godly instruction would be in light of the fear of the Lord. It sets you apart. It's an ornament of grace. It shows that you're in favor uh, because you're, you're not in opposition to your parents, but you have their backing. And they, it's distinctive. If you follow the wisdom of your parents, their godly guidance will give you a step ahead of everybody else. How many of you would amen with me today? You don't want or didn't want your kids to go through what you went through, so you gave them some concepts. No, don't, don't do that. That's not a good plan. We don't want our kids to go through the stupid things that we did. Any of you do stupid things? Uh, what are, what's some advice that you today might give your younger self? Uh, of what to change about things. If you could talk to you when you were a teenager, what are some of the instructions and guidance that you would give? There are teenagers today that need that instruction. Yes. There are children that need that instruction. There are young Marys that need that instruction. If you wish that some, boy, I wish somebody would have told me this. Well, that's what Solomon's doing here. But nobody's going to sign up for Solomon's class. You've got to take the assignments home and you've got to share it with others. You've got to live it in front of others and pass it along. It becomes an ornament or a crown of grace. So you stand out in the crowd. Those individuals that, uh, one year I was in a singing group, a traveling singing group all summer. And uh, one of the gals in the singing group, it was a double quartet and uh, guys and gals. And 
one of the gals, her name was Janie, and Janie had the most beautiful voice I've ever heard. I mean, phenomenal. And she was lovely. She had lovely long hair, dark hair, and, and uh, I'll never forget, we were doing one of our concerts, and after, after the concert, you know, she'd always attract a large crowd of boys uh, from the church. And uh, they would come up, and the parents would come up. He says, you are just so lovely. And she said, I'll thank you on behalf of my mother and my father. I had nothing to do with my looks. And that, whoa. She was passing along credit for how she looked to her mom and her dad. Or her mom and her dad, because I saw both of them. Never <laughs> but but uh, she stood out in the crowd because of that. Everybody remembered her saying that. And she was always bragging up her mom and her dad. And that put her in a place of excellence. It was, it was uh, contrasting another gal we had in the, in the group Someone would say, oh, what a, what a beautiful voice. Thank you, thank you. I've worked very hard. I've tried to train and, you know. It just kind of grated on your nerves when she would do that. And we all encouraged her to sing next to Janie a while and <laughs> pick up some of that. It says, it will be like an ornament of grace or a crown of grace where you stand out in the crowd because you are under the covering of all the advice, godly advice, that your father and your mother have given to you. Some with a slap, some with a feather, but abiding by those house rules. It said, and it will be a chain of gold. Now, house rules. Grace, distinctive, okay. I'm a little slow, okay. Receiving allegations. We don't want our children to make our mistakes again. Amen? Some advice, think about that one. It said it will be like a chain of gold. I need somebody to read some verses for me. Who will read Genesis 41, 37 through 44? Who did that? Oh, Sean has got that. Daniel 5, 5 through 9. Okay. Oh, he's got that one. Okay. Talking about some chains of gold here. My Bible always says chains, it doesn't say chains. Okay. There'll be a chain of gold, not plural. No, it says chains, it doesn't say gold at all. Okay, well, what translation do you have? Uh, New King James. Yeah, mine says chains about your neck. Okay, chains. It'll be chains about your neck. Uh, well, just look up the chains for me. <laughs> Don't mess with it. Okay, Genesis, Genesis 41, 37 through 44. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find 
such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to jo Joseph, Inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph, Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put, and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had, and they cried out before him, Bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in the land of Egypt. Ooh, ooh, ooh. So in this, we'll get back to this one after we read the next one, Daniel 5, 5 to 9. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened, and his knees knocked against each other. <laughs> oh, I love this. I love this. I always sound like a cartoon. <laughs> 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 the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the toothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads the writing and tells me its interpretation, shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled, his countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. Ooh. So I love that this one of my favorite, well, they're all my favorite, but never mind. I love the Bible. I love the word of God. Here, Belshazzar has decided he's going to throw this big fancy feast to brag about conquering all the people. So he has all these people from all over the, the country and all the places. He's, and he says, Let, let's, let's make a real show of it. Let's bring out some of the, the things we've taken from, well, let's bring out the stuff, the gold things from the temple of Israel. We conquered them. We blew that temple away. And uh, well, let's bring them out. We'll put the lampstand over here by the wall. We'll use it for the main light for our banquet hall. And we'll drink from the, the golden goblets that were used for the sacrificial offerings and to pour offerings out unto the Lord. We'll use those as our, our beverage containers. And they were just hooping and hollering up and drinking wine out of the holy vessels and the candelabras glowing over there. And just... On the other side, where the, the flickering flames of the seven-tiered candelabra, seven-foot-tall, I might add, candelabra, a man's hand appears, begins to write on the wall. And what happened to the king, this uppity king who was he's going to show off all of his conquests? What happened to him? He was scared. He was scared spitless. He, and what does it say happened to him? His knees knocked together. His knees knocked together. <laughs> you know, he just, his knees knocked together and his hips went up. Whoa! He 
he's on the woozies and his, and his knees are knocking together and his countenance has changed. He's not bubbly and excited anymore. Uh, he's scared to death. And he calls in the astrologers and the soothsayers and, and the wizards and all the, the magi of the day. He calls them in to give us an interpreter. And they're scared too. They have no clue. They can't even make up a good lie. Then Daniel steps forward. He says, let me give you the, what the Lord says. Because that was God's hand. Writing. You've been weighed in the balances. And found one thing. And I'm going to divide your kingdom in half. And I'm going to give part to the Medes and part to the Persians. And you're gone. You're toast. And that very night, it happened. Just the way he said. And, uh, but before this, they said, to anybody who can do this, I'm going to give them a chain of gold about their neck. A symbol of authority and trust and power. Same thing that happened to Joseph in the Old Testament. Here's an outsider that, you know, he was a slave, right? Yes. He was sold into slavery, and he's elevated up. He was in prison. He was a prison. Uh, he had a prison record. He was on death row in a prison. And now here, here he is, second in command because of God. Because he spoke the things that God said. And they gave him a, a chain about his neck. A chain about his neck. It was a symbol of authority and honor and trust and position. And that's what it says about if we will heed the instruction of our fathers in the Lord. Godly instruction. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's a knock in the head. A smack on the back of the head. Sometimes it's chastisement. But if you say, I'm going to receive that. I, I re only remember a few of the spankings I got growing up. Because they were memorable. I remember a few. But looking back, I remember something else. I didn't ever do that again. What got me that, that whooping... They're different between a whipping and a whooping. Yeah. What got me that whooping, I didn't want to experience that again. Now, my dad did not use the line, this is hurting me more than it hurts you. Dad really didn't care about that soft side of it. You know? <laughs> now, he was, he, was, he was going to inflict some pain. And, and you remember it. And all he had to do was reach for that belt. And he said, I'm a changed man. I'm a changed man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're going to be sorry. And so the re reproof and, and correction of your father and the Torah house rules of your mother. It's going to put you a cut ahead of everybody else. And it's going to bring you honor because you've honored them. You're in a position of honor, not rebellion and rejection. And uh, if you'll heed godly counsel from parents, it gives us a head start on being a successful follower of the Lord. And I was thinking back to some of my mom's house rules, mom's Torah at our house, at the Keene household. Uh, you will go to church. It wasn't a question. It wasn't a debate. There was no discussion. 
She hadn't read any of those books. You're supposed to reason with your children, talk with them, and be their friend. She didn't know a thing about that. This is what you're going to do. And you know, if you talk to my kids, they'll say, you know, it wasn't an option in our house either. You know why? Because I followed mom's Torah. And I interpret it for my household too. And it's one of those things. Uh, let me just give you a few of them before we move on. You will participate in church. It wasn't you just going to go there and sit and be a lump of sack of stuff on the back pew. You're going to be involved. Well, since it wasn't an option, I was involved. You know, uh, all of us boys were. Uh, you will not do any parlor cussing. That was another one of Mom's Taurus. What was it? Parlor cussing. That's a sophisticated cussing. Instead of saying words, you, you would use toned down words like shoot or gosh or darn. Those, if you look them up in the dictionary, are all for coarser words. Geish darn was God damn. Uh, we got soap in the mouth. I developed a real taste for life, boy. Uh, you know, you didn't parlor cuss. We, we didn't cuss in our house. But you couldn't even do the words that our friends got away with. Not in our house. If something would slip out. How many of you know what the look is? Yeah. Go get the life boy. Let's see, another another one of mom's rules. Uh, you will be grateful and show gratitude. Don't act like you deserve anything. Show gratitude. From the smallest to the greatest. Say please and thank you. Nobody owes you anything. Hard work. My dad inflicted that on us, and mom did too. There's no free rides around here. Everybody's got to work. She, they didn't charge us to live there, but uh, they weren't going to pay. My friends, I went to my dad one time and says, Dad, I said, uh, Gary and David next door down the roadblock here, they, uh, they get an allowance. <laughs> I really, Dad gave me some instructions right then, uh, some, some wisdom. He says, well, that's all right for them, but you're going to work if you want spending money. So I had a paper route. Then I had two paper routes. Then I said, you know what I'll do? Paper routing is hard work. I'll go work at a grocery store. That'll be easier. So I went to Albert Supermarkets and, and uh, carried out to, in the in the cold when you used to carry out to the, the cars and put it in the cars and everything. That was not. Oh yeah, it was yeah. not. Yeah, for you. But uh, <laughs> hard work, hard work. Get there early and stay late. Our house 
philosophy was, if you're not a half an hour early, you're an hour late. Be there before anybody else shows up. Don't have them sitting there waiting. Whoever's there first is in charge. Be there early. Yeah. When you were young, um, my dad, my brother wasn't ready. My dad got us in the car. We went down the street, and he was had to run down the street until we get till he reached the car. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was not a whoever's ready will go. That was that, uh, yeah. that was the mention on the list. That was one of Dad's tours. Uh, if you're not ready, you ain't going. I'm waiting for you. Um, get there early, stay late, volunteer. Don't wait to be asked. Enter into worship. Don't just sit there. So we, we had some house rules, some Torah rules, and I feel that I'm ahead of the game because I see a lot of people today that don't have that same kind of work ethic. Have you noticed that they're, they're hiring old people to wait, wait on you at stores anymore? Because young people have not that attitude of, of service. Let's move on to another proverb about youth. Look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If sinners entice you, I remember a message I heard years ago at camp meeting, and it's, and it's from the King James. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And he just went solid with it. What is a sinner? We need to break this down. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Well, what's a sinner? One who sins. One who sins. And it's, it's a pattern. It's a lifestyle. If sinners entice you, don't consent. Don't consent to it. And the word entice there, uh, I think I put it in here. Yeah, patal. It means to open up, to make room for, or to delude or allure. So what it's saying here is in the, in the Hebrew, the word is to allure, to entice someone is you make it easy for them to walk with you. You make room for them where you are, on your path, on your journey. Come on, come on with me. So they're not doing it alone. You're escorting them along. And it means to allure, to bring someone to your path, to your journey. Uh, any fisher people here? Any people who fish? I used to. Any, you used to fish? Well, that, that qualifies. Uh, what's a lure? A lure? I always use worms. You need worms, but they were alluring. What is a lure? But how does it attract a fish? A it's just bait. a fish of whatever. Huh? A fake, fake bait. Fake bait? Yes. Well, somebody describe lures. Well, somebody here, some shiny. fisher person. Shiny. Shiny, it can have shiny, it can have movement. Yeah, it can have, it can oh, kind of move through the waters, the you know, huh? To entice the fish. It entices the fish. Now, is it is it just a fish toy? No. 
You know, it's it just a fish toy so that, you know, you throw it out. I'm going to go have some fun with the fish. I'm going to show them a little thing that's flashy and shiny and wiggles through the water. I just want to go play with the fish. Is that what it's for? To give the fish a good time? <laughs> oh, we had the best time. I went out and played with the fish today. <laughs> no, that's not the purpose of the Lord. Food. The hook is a There's a hook. In the Lord. There's a hook in the Lord. You, you want the fish to be so enamored with the movement and the shining and the colors that they don't see the hook till it's too late. Yeah. Uh, last summer, my used to shoot a lot of pool. I haven't done it in years, but my son and the girl that he's been seeing enticed me to go shoot pool with them. There used to be a place up on a high street or someplace, wherever else it's called, it was called Gold Goose. And you go in there and shoot pool and they didn't serve alcoholic beverages or nothing like that. We used to go up there and shoot pool all the time. This night, he asked me to go shoot pool with him because we hadn't shot pool in a long time, so I went with him. We ended up in a bar, and I stayed there with him for a little while, and I shot pool, and I left because it was getting dark. So the next time, I knew I should have been there. I, the next time, he called me and wanted to know if I wanted to shoot pool. I had to tell him no. He said, why not? I said, because that's not the place I need to be, mm. and he doesn't invite me anymore. Yeah. Allure, something to draw you away from your path. But there's always a hook in the lure. You will not find a lure that's just a fish toy. It's not for the fun of the fish. They have ulterior motives. There's a hook in the lure. And while the fish is, ah, shiny, wonderful, and they, they want to grab that, grab all, oh, they get a hold of it. But then they can't let it loose because there's a, a barb in the hook makes it hard to get out of once you get attached to it. And it's, it's saying here, son, if sinners entice you, they lure you in to walk with them, to walk their way, to go along their path, to be comfortable in their presence, there's a hook in it. They are not doing it for you. Just like I'm not throwing out a lure to play with the fish. I want to consume the fish. And the lure, the enticement, is not because they like you. They want you to walk on their path. Uh, I've told too many personal stories today, but I'll tell one more. Hey, what, what's the difference? Um, when I worked at Albert Supermarkets at Northern Light Shopping Center, years ago. Uh, I was in the, at one point I was in the produce section and another guy in the produce section, his name was, was Ray and he went to the same school I did. And so we had a lunch break on a Saturday and so we went out, out and we were going to get a bite to eat at the Sandy's. Anybody remember Sandy's hamburgers? Bravo. And uh, we were going to Sandy's and then 
But he said, well, we got some time. Let's go in the Boston story. Anybody remember the, this is trip down memory lane. Anybody remember the Boston stories? Yes. Two people. Okay. All right. Well, it was a nice story. And we went in there, and I'm, we're just walking around, and he starts shoplifting. Oh, my oh. He says, King, watch this. He scoops up, puts it in his pocket. Try it. No. And uh, he, he gets three or four things, and I distanced myself from that boy. I, I got out of there, and he said, where'd you go? And I said, I went back to work. I said, that's not for that. No. He wanted me, he didn't care about me. He wanted me to walk his path. And he wound up stealing other things, and it cost him dearly. You see, it's not about you, them liking you. They don't want to walk their path by themselves. They want to take somebody with them. It's exactly the opposite of how we Christians, we want to go to heaven and we need to take some people with us. Amen? Amen. So, if sinners entice you, don't be puffed up and proud. Oh, they, they, they like me. They want to be with me. They want me to travel with them. They want me to do this. They want me to... It's not about you. There's a hook in the Lord. There's excitement. I'm going to read another portion of Scripture here. It talks about enticement. Oh, let me have you do it. We've got just a few minutes. So real quick here. Deuteronomy 13, 1-6. Who'll do that? Deuteronomy 13, 1-6. Okay, Marcia's got that. Deuteronomy 13, verses 10 and 11. Okay, John has got that. Judges 14, 15 through 18. Judges 14, 15 through 18. Anybody? Well, I'll do that. Okay. Never mind. Okay, let's do the Deuteronomy first. Deuteronomy 13. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. But the prophet or the, that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. Ooh, entice. If your they, brother, the, you, know, you want the last one? The last verse? Oh, I got you that. You just go, go with that one. Next one, verse 10. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. She's going to get that and you shall stand him with stems until he dies, 
because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. So all of Israel shall hear and fear and not again do such wickedness as this among you. And then Judges 14. Did I sign that or not? You're doing that. I'm doing that one. Thank you. My memory's bad. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us or else we will burn you and your father's house with fire. And uh, Samson had given a riddle and he wouldn't tell and he finally broke down. She enticed him. She cried and whined and cried. You don't love me if you won't tell me the riddle. And so he did and then they used it to get some money off of him. And uh, then later on he says in verse 18, So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, <laughs> you would not have solved my riddle. Oh boy. <laughs> he plowed with his heifer. He had the wife entice him. <laughs> if sinners entice you to sin, to veer, to compromise, to walk with them, do not consent. Let me, I'm out of time. Two more minutes, okay? Two more minutes. We find that Proverbs 1, 11 through 19, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood, and all the different things, it's not about you that they like. They just want to draw you away from walking the righteous path. And Psalm, Psalm 1 tells us, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Enticement. It's not about you. It's about getting you away from following God. You say, well, what's the harm in this? And what's the harm in that? It's not, there's a hook in the Lord. Amen? There's a hook in the Lord. Well, you know, you're saying you shouldn't do this. Uh, uh, what's wrong with that? Well, it's not so much the thing that is the hook that's hidden in it that draws you away. I was remembering an old, old song. You know that. You know I've got an old song on my sleeve today. I've got, a, I've got an old song. I got, all we got to do is find it. An old, old hymn. And I invite, the words are on the screen so you can sing along with it, okay? Oh. 
sister's going to be taking care of her. Mm -hmm. She's out in California. So we'll be praying for Dave and the family. Other prayer requests today. We want to lift up uh, Sierra Keast and her surgery situation and recovery. Mike in recovery from the knees. Uh, Phil uh, Butterworth, the whole family, it's been a weekend of Butterworth hospital visits. Uh, I haven't made it to see Phil, but he had a procedure done Tuesday. I haven't heard back on that. Uh, Unsaved loved ones. Unsaved loved ones. Yes. Just want to say Katie. Kate's having a procedure done today as well. Uh, my sister-in-law's son is in Kentucky. He's in intensive care. His lung has collapsed. Sister-in-law's son. Uh, son, right. Terry. Okay. Terry. Terry. Yes. Uh, Steve. 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 Bleeding. Yeah. Uh, Becky's sister. Becky's sister. The issue is that there's an issue. All right. She's there today, Carrie. Jack. Chad. Unspoke, unspoke. Unspoken requests, situations we don't need to know about, but God, we access it. Yes. Adasa is sick. She's been throwing up. Adasa, so. your granddaughter. Mm -hmm. Okay. Flo and her family. Yes, Flo and Patsy's back. We forgot to acknowledge that Patsy's back, but it's though we're happy to have her. It's about uh, uh, loved ones passed into the eternity and so she's back for the services. Other prayer requests today? Yes. Brandon starts PT today. Physical therapy for Brandon. Well let's go to prayer. Can we have several lead us out in a word of prayer today? And let's just praise God for the godly wisdom that we're getting from the book of Proverbs. Yeah. That we are to help us to find ways to pass it along to somebody else. We all know somebody younger than we are. We pass along to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us into that. Somebody lead us out in prayer today.
pray for Israel. Father God, we, we come to you with, as was mentioned, so many varied needs. We have some that are in surgery right now, some that are recovering from surgery. Others have had other procedures. We pray for Dave and his family, the loss of his mother. We pray, Father God, as, as he's been trying to pour into her long distance and share with her. We ask, Father God, for you to reach through us, through others, our loved ones who don't know you as yet, who have been drifted away from you. For, Father God, we do not know the day or the hour when we will face eternity. Yes. But we ask, Father God, that you would lead us across the path of someone that we can pour into through our words, through our life and actions these principles of your word. We can show that the fear of the Lord is where it all begins, having a right relationship with you. We pray, Father, for these situations that don't need to be spoken of here, but we lay them before the throne, Father, for you to sort them out. You know the direction that needs to go in many of these situations that we have no clue. So, Father, we ask for you to make a way where there seemingly is no way in our estimation. We pray, Father, for us to be alert to the allurements of the enemy, that sinners would entice us, not because of us, but because they want somebody to walk with them down the wrong path. We pray, Father, that you would help us to see through the lures and see the hook. We pray, Father God, for you to help us to be a witness to those around us. Help us to find ways to pour in these proverbs into living truth to people that we can influence. Use us to touch others, Father. We praise you for it. We give you thanks for your word and that it will not return void. It will accomplish what you sent it to do. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. sign up or know how to sign up or whatever see Linda upstairs in the office she can help you if you need somebody to deliver it we can help you out with that in some way uh, to take meals into Sierra and the family
for your eye. Well, prayer meeting yesterday, they sat, they asked me how your eye was. I said, I don't know. I'll see him tomorrow. Yep. About 80, 90 percent. Great. Driving in downtown traffic, and I survived. <laughs> so, Sally, I love you. But I had to seek my patience today. Yeah, well, honey, you know, I'm sure you're not like, okay, I'll give you more, but still.
Keep praying, guys. 